passages this evening, beginning with John's Gospel. John chapter 1, and you'll remember how John ends his gospel, these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. John chapter 1, we're going to begin our reading at verse 15 and read to the end of the chapter. John bare witness of him, that is of Jesus. And cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have we all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. And this is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? And he confessed, and he denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Art thou Elias? And he saith, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, No. Then said they unto him, Who art thou? That we may give an answer to them that sent us. What sayest thou of thyself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Esaias. And they which were sent of the Pharisees, and they asked him and said unto him, why, baptize, why baptizest thou then, if thou be not that Christ, nor Elias, neither that prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water. But there standeth one among you whom ye know not. He it is who cometh after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latch it. I'm not worthy to unloose. These things were done in Bethabara, beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me, and I knew him not but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore I am come baptizing with water. And John bare record saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending, and remaining on him the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. 
Then Jesus turned and saw them following and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? And he saith unto them, Come and see. They came and they saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter, and Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there's no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered, and he said unto him, Rabbi, Thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open." And the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. If you turn back in your Bibles now to Luke's Gospel, we're going to read from Luke chapter 3, verses 21 and 22. Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Ghost descended in bodily shape like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. And then Luke chapter 4, beginning our reading at verse 14. This is after Jesus' temptation in the wilderness, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out the fame of him throughout all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read... 
For there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book. And he gave it again to the minister and sat down, and the eyes of all of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? I read this passage especially because if you look a little bit more closely at verse 18 and 19, there you have Christ anointed into the threefold office as a prophet to preach the gospel to the poor, as a sympathetic high priest to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, and now also as the king to set at liberty them that are bruised. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Let's open our soldiers to the back there to Lord's Day 12. In the catechism, we've begun studying the names of our Savior. He is Jesus. He is now Christ. He is the only begotten Son of God, and he is our Lord. Question 31. Why is he called Christ, that is, anointed? Answer, because he's ordained of God the Father and or anointed by the Holy Spirit, to be our chief prophet and teacher, who has fully revealed to us the secret counsel and will of God concerning our redemption, and to be our only high priest, who by the one sacrifice of his body has redeemed us and makes continual intercession with the Father for us, and also to be our eternal king, who governs us by his word and spirit, and who defends and preserves us in the enjoyment of that salvation he has purchased for us. Loved in our Lord Jesus Christ, when we address someone as mayor or governor or president, or professor, or doctor, or elder, or deacon. We are calling that person by their official title. That's not their personal name, but it is their title, their office that they have been put into. So also with the name Christ. We looked at the name, the beautiful name, Jesus, Jehovah saves, or Jehovah salvation. And now, the Christ. 
As I said, that's not the mediator's personal name, but it's his title, the office into which Christ Jesus was ordained and anointed. And in connection with that name, the catechism goes a little bit further, doesn't it? But why art thou called a Christian? Question and answer 32. Because I am a member of Christ by faith, and thus am partaker of his anointing, that so I may confess his name and present myself a living sacrifice of thankfulness to him, and also that with a free and a good conscience I may fight against sin and Satan in this life and afterwards reign with him eternally over all creatures. Now one could take this one's Lord's Day, and you could easily have four sermons, one sermon on each of the functions of our Savior, and then one on ours. You could have six sermons, one sermon on each of the functions of Christ, and then one sermon on each of the functions of the believer. But we're going to just look at this Lord's Day in its entirety as we look at this name, Christ, and then Christian. The name Christ. Notice it's the name of a threefold office. Notice, second of all, it's the name given to our Savior. And notice then, thirdly, that it is a name given to those who belong to Christ Jesus. So it is the name of a threefold office office. Christ means anointed. That means one who is officially put into an office by another. And he has obligations. He has duties officially given to him. And in the Old Testament, that was done with, this anointing was done with holy oil poured over the head. But that was only a type what is going to be taking place with Christ Jesus, isn't it? Of Christ anointing. And there's two aspects to that anointing, isn't there? First of all, that person is chosen. Chosen and appointed by God himself. And second of all, then that person is qualified. Qualified by the anointing by the Spirit. So the name Christ, Christ Jesus, or Jesus the Christ, emphasizes his official position as our Savior. He can be given that name Jesus only as he carries out this function as the anointed one. What is important for us to see, first of all, that Jesus did not simply assume these duties as his own. He didn't one day wake up and say, hey, I think I want to be the savior of these people. No, God. God himself has placed him in that position. He stands there as God's official representative. But he also acts as our representative before God. How wonderful. This one office has three functions. So notice, there's not three different offices, not three different hats that this person is going to wear at different times, switching them off and on. No, one office, 
with three functions. Prophet, priest, king. And we shouldn't be surprised that Christ is called to that office with a threefold function because God created man in such a way that these three functions were included in the very image of God. Lord's Day 3, God created man in the image of God so that he could, one, truly know God. In other words, there's a prophetic consciousness in man to know God, to think about God, and to speak to God and speak about God. Prophet. So that man is in holiness, consecrated to God, dedicated to God, heartily loves God. That's this priestly function of man. And then our kingly office. We are to live in eternal happiness so that in our work and all that we do, we seek his kingdom. We rule our families. We care for the church. All in order to glorify God. That calling was given to the first Adam when God made him. And that calling is now given to the last Adam Jesus Christ. So let's look at the name given to our Savior. Christ is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Messiah. Just as Jesus is the Greek equivalent to the Hebrew name Joshua. So Christ is the same as the Old Testament word Messiah. It refers to a ceremony and an anointing. Jesus was ordained already in eternity. That is, God appointed Jesus Christ, God elected his son and appointed him to be the head of his church. And he gave his whole church to Christ Jesus. So in eternity he is appointed And now in time, as we read, at his baptism, just as he begins his earthly ministry, he is anointed. He's anointed not with the symbol, the Old Testament oil, but he is anointed, boys and girls, when the Holy Spirit descended from heaven in the symbol of a dove and rested upon him. Jesus, chosen and appointed, qualified for office, not merely as a man, but as the Son of God who took on our human nature also, our mediator. Our mediator who would now give himself in substitution for us. Our mediator who would come and reconcile sinners to the holy God. Our mediator who would restore us to the office that we were created for. Prophets, priest, and king. So let's look closely at his work. His work is the salvation of his church. 
That is, God gave him a position. God gave him a work to do for the church. And he does it, of course, all for the glory of his Father in heaven. You see, Jesus Christ is God's obedient servant. He's going to carry out his duties all to glorify God. We cannot miss that part of his anointing. He is appointed, he is anointed to save the church and therefore as the obedient servant to bring glory to God. So three functions of his one office. First of all, prophets. Let me read another passage from John. This is gospel. This is now from the 12th chapter. John chapter 12, we read there in verse 49 and 50. Jesus says, I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting, whosoever I speak therefore. Even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. That's what a prophet does. Oh yes, at times a prophet would foretell the future, and Jesus also did a lot of foretelling of what would take place in the future. But it's more than that. The prophet would basically speak forth the word of God. He is so filled with the knowledge of God, he is so filled with the word of God so that he bubbles over, he overflows, he can't keep it to himself. Jesus says, I speak that which I have received of my Father. And what does he speak of? He speaks of the secret counsel and will of God concerning redemption. He is the one that in the book of Revelation is the only one found worthy to open up the book with the seven seals. And he works it all out and accomplishes it. Jesus, notice, is the chief prophet. What does that mean? That means that in the Old Testament, all those prophets, Moses and Samuel, all those prophets, while they brought God's word, it was really Christ, our prophet, speaking throughout the whole Old Testament, calling men and women and children to himself. And Jesus is the chief prophet still today. We have ministers of the word. But it's not important who the minister is, what is important is the word that he brings, that he doesn't bring his own ideas, his own words, but he brings the word of God as he opens up that word of God, explains it, and then applies it. Jesus is the chief prophet. What does that mean? That means we have to be careful when we listen to a sermon. Ministers have different gifts, different abilities. Some are easier to listen to, others are more difficult to listen to. 
It's not important who the man is behind the pulpit. What is important is, is he faithful to the word of God? And then do we hear Christ Jesus, the chief prophet, speaking to us by his word? Yes, Christ uses poor instruments in order that he gets all the glory. Weak means fulfill his purposes. Do you love Christ Jesus as he brings God's word to you, as he speaks to you in your ear, and speaks in your heart by his spirit? Are you willing to be instructed in the salvation that he has prepared for you? Are you willing to listen to as he calls out to you what you, your responsibility is as citizens of his kingdom? Are you ready to live a life of obedience to him? Do we on Sundays? And do you in your devotions, whether individually or as a family? Do you sit as willing pupils at the feet of Jesus Christ? As God's word brings Christ to you. It was fun reading John chapter 1, wasn't it? The reactions of those who heard Jesus, were introduced to Jesus. You think of Andrew following Jesus to his house, spending the night there with him, and what's the first thing he does? He goes out and he finds his brother Simon. You never hear of Andrew's name later on in the Acts of the Apostles, but you surely do of Peter. He's so excited. We have found him who is the Christ. Philip and Nathaniel, the crowds who heard Jesus speak. What a prophet. He brings God's word, that which the Father has instructed him, handed to him, Christ proclaims it. The Old Testament and still in the New Testament now, Christ in heaven speaks. He speaks to you and me. And are you and I like little Samuel of old? When it comes to devotions around our table, or when it comes to the sermon and the worship service, we say, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Our chief prophet, our only high priest, what did the Old Testament high priest have to do? Well, the Old Testament high priest would make sacrifices for the people. They would kill all those animals and animals upon animals so that the blood was shed and that blood would be presented to God as a covering for sin. Jesus Christ is that prophet, is that priest. The one who not only offers, but himself also the lamb that is offered up. What an offering, what a sacrifice, a 
pure sacrifice. Also, a priest would consecrate the people. The priest himself would be consecrated to God, and he would take God's people also in his prayers up before God. Christ Jesus, our only high priest. How beautifully the book of Hebrews sets that out. There you have the Old Testament priest standing up, never able to sit down. Why not? Because the work was never done. There was more animals that had to be killed day after day, week after week, year after year. Never, never, never done because the blood of goats and of cows doesn't take away one sin. It's only a picture. And then the author of Hebrews goes on and says, but Jesus Christ... When he offered up his one sacrifice for sin on the cross, he ascended up into heaven, he sits down. No more sacrifices necessary, no more sacrifices needed. Unlike the Roman Catholic Church, which still has altars in its church and believes that the Mass is a continual needed sacrifice. Our Bible tells us that Christ once was offered up a sacrifice for our sins, and there is no other thing that can be added to it. He gave himself up as a sacrifice, so in the Old Testament, it's Christ Jesus really through the priest as our only priest, high priest. He offered himself up on the cross. Now you say, well, what does Jesus now do as our priest? He pleads, beloved. He pleads on the basis of his sacrifice that our sins are all blotted out. That when God sees you and he sees me, he doesn't see our filthy rags of sin, They've been wiped away. They've been taken off from us. What he sees is the righteous garment of Christ Jesus. And what else is Jesus Christ doing for us now in heaven? Well, the Bible tells us he's interceding for us. He's praying for us. That's why there's no other way for a man to come to the Father but by him. What wonderful joy is ours then in him who is the Christ. His one sacrifice has removed all of our sins. And we are made whiter than the newly fallen snow that's going to come tomorrow or the next day. He's praying for us. Wasn't that beautiful how Jesus while he tells Peter, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me thrice. But what does he say? But Peter, I've prayed for you that Satan may not have you. Unlike a Judas, 
Jesus' effectual prayer. So when that cock crows, as Peter goes out, he weeps bitterly in sorrow for his sin and is restored again by Jesus Christ. What wonderful joy you and I have in Jesus, the Son of God, the Christ, our only prophet, our only priest. We don't have to go running to a man here or there and confess our sins in some little cubicle. You and I can go directly to our sympathetic high priest in heaven. We can name all of our sins. And he assures us that he hears those prayers and he forgives us all of our sins. Do you know that, beloved? Is that the joy of being a child of God? Our only high priest. And what is his work? He is our eternal king. He who has rule over all things. Christ was ruling in all of the history in the Old Testament. Christ Jesus comes down in that beautiful sermon that he gave in Nazareth from Isaiah chapter 61. He delivers the captives. Oh, his audience didn't like hearing that, did they? They rise up and they say, show us some of your miracles. Don't give us this talk about blind people and captives. We're not captives. They didn't know their sin. They didn't know the captivity to sin. And therefore they wanted to push Jesus off the hill to his death. Christ Jesus, he rules now in heaven, doesn't he? As our king. He rules you and me. He is our master, our Lord. Sad to say, many people, they want a savior, but they don't want a master or a Lord. They're kind of like those folks that like to have a fire truck come around if their house is on fire, but otherwise, stay away from me. I don't need you. Christ Jesus is the king of his church. And he rules you and me, he rules his church by his grace and by his word and by his spirit. He cares about us. He cares about the citizens of heaven. How they live here on their earthly pilgrimage preparing them for the time when they will be taken up to heaven and they will rule with him in heaven. But beloved, he not only rules over his church, he is king also with the enemies made his footstool. He rules this world, not in grace, but he rules this world in his power. Remember, he is the one, the Lamb of God that's found worthy to open up that book with the seven seals, which is God's eternal destiny of this whole world of history. And it's Christ Jesus ruling through the fighting that's going on in Russia and Ukraine, through the threats of China and of Korea and any other hot spots. 
Christ is on his throne. Kingdoms will rise and kingdoms will also fall because they're the kingdoms of man. But Christ is king over the world and he will carry out this world so that all of his elect are born and are saved even as the wicked fill up their cup of iniquity. And then the king comes again and he says, it's time. It's time. It's time now for the separation of the wheat and the tares. I will take my own to my heavenly kingdom, the new heavens and the new earth, and all the wicked and all the demons and the devil are cast into hell forever. What comfort. What comfort in our lives that Christ is directing all the events so that as we read in one of our forms, he gives us all good things, he averts all evil, or, or he turns it to our profit. Christ Jesus, our eternal king, chosen by God in eternity, anointed and qualified by the Holy Spirit, so that he carries on this grand work today. What joy I'm not my own, but I belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Created with these three functions, lost in sin, Christ Jesus becomes the office bearer and now Christ Jesus, by his word and spirit, recreates us again in God's image. Oh, beloved, the name Christ, the one and only Messiah, given to saints like you and me. Boys and girls, you remember of catechism, that that first took place in Antioch. Believers were called Christians in derision. You can almost hear the other Jews around them who hated any disciple of Christ. They're saying, Christ followers, Christ followers. And the believers said, we'll take that name. We'll take that name not as a name of reproach, but a name of honor and glory that we may take up Christ's cross and follow him. Christ followers. His goods are now our goods. His honor is our honor. His name is now our name. Yes, Chosen by God, each one of us, all of us were, all the elect were given to Christ already in eternity. Redeemed by Jesus Christ at the cross. And at a certain time in our life, whether it's still in the womb, for many of us right around that time, for others maybe later on in their life, the thief, the thief on the cross qualified also to be prophets, priests, and kings.
we share Christ's anointing. Just as Christ came into his one office, not of his own, but he is appointed by God or chosen by God. Beloved, that's the same of each one of us. We don't sing the Arminian songs, I have decided to do this or that, and I opened up my heart. No, God chose me in eternity. And in time, he qualifies us. When the Holy Spirit comes and gives us a life from above, we who are dead in sin. When Christ, by his word and spirit, calls us, calls us out of the darkness to the light himself. When the Spirit works and strengthens faith in us, we are made prophets. What does that mean? It means that you and I are chosen by God and qualified God to know him, to study his word, to speak to him, to speak about him. Parents, to speak to your children in the home of what God in his Christ has done for you, what he means to you. It means in your neighborhood where God has placed you next to a neighbor, when you have opportunity, you speak of the hope that's within you. Or in the workplace, if one of your fellow employees or employers asks you, what gives? What's your Christian life all about? You and I have been chosen by God and we are qualified by His Spirit to speak about our God and our Christ. God's Word says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Family visitation will talk about our fellowship with Christ Jesus. Are you regularly speaking to him? That's why he's revealed himself to you, so you may speak to him. What's your prayer life like? Are you reading his word so that as prophets you are in a position that you can teach your children and teach others around you? As believers, we are made priests of God. And what does that mean? That means that we consecrate ourselves in holiness as we serve him. We're not going to serve other gods. No, we give ourselves as a thank offering. In the Bible, there's different offerings. There were offerings for sin. That offering has been taken care of by Jesus Christ. No more sin offerings. But there was also the thank offering, where the farmers or so would give their best gifts or grain to the Lord. The first offering so also in our lives. We give of ourselves. We give of our finances. We give of our talents, our time, for the service of Christ Jesus. 
We don't just say, what am I doing? What is my life about? But we're part of a family, aren't we? And so as a priest would pray for the people, so also we as priests pray for one another, don't we? This morning, we prayed for Phil for the surgery that he had. We're going to be praying for another saint that's going to have surgery soon. We pray for others who have distresses or illness or pain or troubles in their family. We're a praying people for one another, interceding God. And we are also called to be kings. Kings who take our lives and we say, I'm going to rule, first of all, myself. That's the difficult one, isn't it? Saying no to the sinful Audrey Springsma. Saying no to some sinful desires. Saying no to some pleasures of the world that others are enjoying outside of marriage. And we say, ah, why can't we do that? We say no. No, because I belong to Christ Jesus and I need to rule my mind. I need to rule my body. I need to say no to sin within and I need to say no to the temptations that come to me around. And as kings, that we rule our families well. We care what our children are doing, not only in school, but also on the playground and also what they're doing. But friends they're hanging out with. We want to rule those families so that God is pleased with our family life. And in the church, as kings, we care that Christ Jesus is held before us and that we, as a church, conduct ourselves in a way that is God-glorifying and in a way that the gospel is going forth. Oh yes, we've been renewed, haven't we? We are Christ followers. What does it mean to be a Christian? Prophets, priests, and kings for God's glory and the coming full realization of his kingdom. Amen. Father in heaven, What words can we offer in thankfulness for giving us thy son? For giving us him who is the prophet who reveals his father to us so that as Jesus said to his disciples, he who has seen me has seen my father giving us thy son so that he is the priest who gave himself as a sacrifice for, her, for our sins and is now even in heaven interceding for us, pleading our cause, giving us thy son who rules in our hearts, in our lives by his word and by his spirit. Give us, O oh Father, then ears to hear Christ Jesus. Give us hearts to love him. Give us hands and feet that are eager to be about the business of our king. 
we thank thee that we know the Christ, the Son of God, our Savior and our Lord. May our lives now be lived this coming week in thankfulness. Amen.